The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. And now, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Rest and Positive Living on Voice America, America's Voice. I'm very happy to say that I'm in my 14th year on Voice America, one of the first ones to come on board, and very proud of that. And I think it's a wonderful, wonderful internet radio network that is helping thousands of people around the world. All right, my guest is Dr. Antonio Barquette. He's an MD. His book is Why Are You? A Sense of Identity. Uh, Dr. Barquette has been a practicing physician for 30 years. He earned his Bachelor of Science from the University of Puerto Rico and his MD degree from the University of Puerto Rico Medical School. With 10 years of Buddhist training, he incorporates Buddhist insights into helping his patients deal with chronic diseases. Welcome, Dr. Barquette. Thank you for having me, Patricia. It's a pleasure. Okay. Thank you. All right. Why did you decide to write this book uh, in, in this manner about kind of the human spirit and who we are rather than more in clinical medical uh, terms. Well, if you write it in clinical medical terms, the problem that you find is it's a very limited uh, impact audience. Uh, when you write it in more general terms, you can reach more people. Um, this all began approximately 33 years ago. My, both my parents died in a plane crash, and my oh. brother, who was 17 at the time, became severely depressed. So I took oh. him to see a psychoanalyst. And uh, being physician also myself and him, we began sort of, um, um, you know, referring to each other patients. I would send him a patient for a consultation, then he would send me a cardiac case and, and so on. Um, we became friends, and one day he invited me over to um, discuss a case, a clinical case. So I went over, we discussed the case, and that began uh, almost like a routine where we would meet together maybe once or twice a week for two or three hours to hear some tapes about patients and then discuss the clinical cases. And essentially became uh, the same routine for 33 years. So, quote unquote, unofficially, I did a training in psychoanalysis for almost 33 years. Uh, 20 years into the process, I began arguing with him and telling him, you know, there's something missing in, in all this drive. There's something missing um, in, the, in all this uh, psychoanalytic theory. Yeah. And um, I, I, we began arguing for about 10 years, you know, arguing in a very good way. You know, I, like, I love it like my father. He's a fantastic human being. And, um, and but we would argue, you know, from a professional point of view, back and forth, back and forth. And about a year and a half ago, two years ago, he told me, you know, I think you're right. I think you're right in, the, in what you're pointing out. And I was pointing out that there was basically a primal fear that was the triggering event for many of these pathologies that we were actually seeing. So he encouraged me to write the book, and that's how it comes let, let me Let me ask you a question. You know, having, having lost family like that so instantly, yes. how did you uh-huh. get through? How did you get through this personally? 
personally, at the beginning, it was very hard. I was actually going to a Buddhist monastery at that time. And I could not understand, you know, I, I, I mean, I could feel the pain, but I could not understand why I was feeling the pain. And over the years, and, you know, with my interaction, you know, discussing other cases, I began to realize that the pain was actually based on the relative self. The pain that we feel when we lose someone is based on what, what I call the relative self, not the absolute self. And to make the distinction clear, um, let, me, let me explain something. Um, I don't know how many of your, of your listeners have children, but if one of your children gets sick, many listeners will tell you that they actually get sick with the child. They actually feel the pain that the child is feeling. That happens because you have a sense of union, a sense of belonging, or a sense of, um, of um, union with that child. That is the absolute self. That's the self that actually uh, perceives or feels that union with everything. The relative self is the self that actually that differentiates from that. It's the self that is, um, that is the, our ego, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And our ego is the one that suffers the pain. That pain is the pain of a loss. It's a pain where the ego feels a contraction, and it feels a contraction because it is integrated on what I call affective fields of ego integration, which are about five. Uh, the emotional and the social field being, being, being two of them. So when, when, when a person loses a child, the sense of the relative self suffers a contraction. He loses an affective field, the emotional field in this case, suffers a contraction, and that contraction makes this, the relative self feel more threatened by the primal fear of non-existence. And that is, the, that is the trigger, that is the driving force behind that pain. That's why, for example, if somebody um, puts you down or makes you feel uncomfortable, uh, you feel that you are less, you feel threatened, you feel uncomfortable because you feel more threatened by this fear. So, what you, what you're, so let me see if I can translate. So what I'm getting yeah. out of what you're saying is that when you have this immediate loss, which is family in your case, primal right. family, that you you feel disconnected and almost so abandoned, like like your ship is out to sea and you might just die. Correct. That sensation of dying is that fear of non-existence. Yes. See, in the in the very bottom, one thing we began noticing when I was talking to patients is that many of them would express, for example, a fear of losing a house, a fear of losing your job, a fear of losing a loved one, etc. If you start Coning down on the fear, you start telling them, well, take it to the extreme. What can happen if you lose a house? Well, I can be homeless. And what happens if you're homeless? Well, I can be out on the streets. And what happens? Well, I can die of hunger or thirst. And then what? Well, I can die. And then what? Well, I go to the afterlife. And Well, let's suppose it's not an afterlife for one second. Let's suppose that there's nothing. Mm-hmm. Then what? Yeah. Oh, no. Then I become nothing. So right. you begin to realize that all the fears are basically one primal fear, except we call it, we give it different names, but it's the same fear, fear of non-existence. So do you think that if people, let me just ask you, do you think that if people believe in an afterlife, you know, after we die, do you think that's, that's going to help them? I think the, the belief in the afterlife, and, and let me tell you, I'm a Christian myself, you know, and I, and I, I believe in God, but I'm actually struggling right now with my own faith. And the reason I'm struggling with my own faith is because it's evolving. It's beginning to evolve based on some of the analysis and some of the thoughts that I wrote in the book. Mm. So I'm struggling with it. And you might find in the book that there's a sense of resistance from my part when I'm writing the book. The, the problem with the afterlife is that the afterlife tends to anthropomorphize the afterlife or anthropomorphize God. We make God an object. 
and then we look at him apart from us as something that we have to achieve or that we have to go to, for example, paradise. That is the relative self wishing to continue its existence in the afterlife. If you look at some of the esoteric Christian and Buddhist writings, they talk about the afterlife in a different term. They talk about nothingness, a void, um, or a union with an absolute. Whereas in that union, apparently, your sense of self, your self-awareness is no longer there, disappears. That is what they call in the Buddhist tradition, Satori, Kensho, Enlightenment, in the Hindu tradition, Nirvana, and in the Christian tradition, Sainthood. The same experience, if you look at the different writings, they are writing very similar words or they do similar parallels in the comparisons. But apparently, that sense of self that we have right now, which is the relative self, disappears when you die. And what is left is that sensation of unity or oneness with everything that some people are able to achieve even, you know, uh, even alive when they become, quote-unquote, enlightened or they, be, they achieve sainthood or, or nirvana. Mm. So, so what do you say to people who come to you and say, you know, I just suddenly lost my loved one and I feel lost? How do you, how do you help them in a way that they can feel it? Because so many times the shock just lasts for so long. How do you help people? Okay, the, the first thing you need to do is be supportive. You have to have a lot of compassion. And that's one of the things that I point out in the book is you need to have compassion. Once you realize that we're all in the same boat, then you realize that we all have to be compassionate with one another. So compassion is the first part. First of all, you need to be supportive. We all have a relative self. So I'm not going to try to bring him into the understanding that the relative self is the one having the pain. No, at the beginning, what you do is you try to support the relative self. And you try to make him understand that, yes, like he's going to be one with the absolute, yes, you're having a pain. And then slowly trying to make him understand that that pain is going to be transitory and that they're going to continue existing even after the loss. The, the pain comes because when you lose a loved one, you lose an affective fuel of ego integration, specifically the emotional sexual fuel of ego integration. Mm. That gives the ego a contraction. It makes it feel mm. smaller. When it feels smaller, that sense of self now feels threatened by non-existence. And that's what causes the anguish. That's what causes the pain. Once you realize that that pain or that, that pain is residing in the relative self and that in the absolute self, that person that you lost is one with the absolute, mm. then you can transcend that pain. Then you can begin to understand that you are one with that person even in his death. And that actually comes in the second phase when the person is more able to actually understand that concept. Right. But so at the beginning, so at the when, beginning when you they have to feel, be supportive and compassionate. Yeah. So when they what? feel that there is a deeper connection with not just the loved one who's passed, but people on the planet, the universe, nature, when they feel connected so that it, it, it's not just about them and the other person, but they're, they're part of a whole system, that's going to help them heal. Yes? Correct, correct. That's precisely, um, if you look at Mother Teresa of Calcutta, Nobel Prize winner of peace, this is a woman that was able to see that connection in every single person around her, especially with the poor people in Calcutta. Why was she able to do that? She was able to feel that connection, that divinity of God inside her in other people at the same time. He was able to perceive that humanity in other people. And that's what we should be striving for. Look, 
uh, right now there's a lot of violence in the world. If you look around, there's violence everywhere. Let me, let me go a little bit deeper into this concept for a second. Um, you know that many people now have been radicalized by, by a specific religious belief systems. And when I say belief systems, because I don't like to talk about religions as a whole, but actually belief systems. But some belief systems tell you that if you kill somebody, you're going to guarantee yourself a place in paradise. Who is actually going after that? It's the relative self. The self that wants to guarantee itself a comfortable existence in the afterlife, but in order to do that, you have to kill somebody. But in the process, is the relative self insisting itself or closing itself to see that humanity in the other person, closing itself to see that union with the other person. In order to dehumanize yourself, you first have to stop seeing that unity in yourself so then you can dehumanize the other person. All right, so and, we'll, all right and we're going to have to take a break on that note, but we're going to come back and yep. we're going to continue more. This is fascinating. Okay. My guest is Dr. Antonio Parquet. His book is Why Are You? A Sense of Identity. We're talking about when you lose those that are very close to you suddenly or when you just feel alone because you don't have those people close to you anymore. How do you move on and how can you get the sense of identity even though you may have lost people that are close? You're listening to Patricia Raskin Positive Living right here on Voice America, America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even coworker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience. You'll hear from experts and others who are experiencing the same things, and together you will promote a common cause. Tune in to Family Caregivers Unite, live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Families today face unique challenges. Marriage, parenting, and family forms have changed a lot in the last century. Family Matters with Dr. Virginia Collin will focus on building and maintaining healthy family relationships. We will discuss marriage, divorce, family mediation, parenting, lifestyles, and mental health. All kinds of family matters. Our show will feature guest experts and your participation, too. You can listen to Family Matters live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Patricia Raskin Positive Living. We're talking about our sense of identity, particularly when we have lost people that are so close to us. 
My guest is Dr. Antonio Barquet. He has been a practicing physician for 30 years, and he incorporates Buddhist insights and practices to help his patients deal with chronic diseases. His book is Why Are You a Sense of Identity? Now, he knows firsthand about this because he lost his parents in 1987 in a plane crash, and it affected his brother very adversely, and also him. And so Dr. Barquette has really, through that, has learned so many practices to help himself and his brother and also his patients. Welcome back, Antonio. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so um, let's share more about when a patient comes to you and they have a chronic Mm -hmm. illness. Or, you know, they right. come to you and, they, and, and, and they've lost someone, and because they've lost someone, now they've become sick themselves. And, right. um, you know, being, you're a cardiologist, correct? Right. So, correct. so you deal with the heart. And, you know, we talk about the broken heart, and I think there are, you know, I think there are people you can probably see physically, you know, that, that if you looked at a scan, that the heart can yes. look like it's broken from so many of Actually, these things. So, so talk about that. Okay, actually, yes. There's a condition called Takotsubo cardiomyopathy or broken heart syndrome in which the heart develops an aneurysm towards the apex, and it has to do with the stress. And the remarkable thing, and I've seen one or two cases, it's not very prevalent, but the people that are under a lot of stress and somehow the release of catecholamines causes some degree of peripheral vasoconstriction on the arteries, on on the coronaries. And that triggers relative ischemia, and it can give you the cardiomyopathy. And then once the stress is relieved, many of these patients may actually recover, especially if they have an infarcted, may actually recover. <clears throat> but Takotsubo cardiomyopathy is a real syndrome. It's well described in medicine. Um, if you Google it, you can see a lot of uh, pictures and, and slides and uh, cardiac cath results from people that have it. And many people recover from it, but it is induced by stress. Stress kills in more, in, in many, in more ways than one. Mm-hmm. But that stress is basically based, again, on the relative self. It is the, uh-huh. the self, the relative self, that self that wants to integrate itself against non-existence that suffers stress when it senses a loss of affective fuel. Right. So l- l- let me ask you, do you, do you okay. give your patients some exercises to do or practices that you've used that, to help them? Yeah, the first thing I do is be supportive. That's the first thing you need to do. So you, you, deal, you deal with this at two levels. First, you are supportive. You support the relative self. You give them medications, of course, and you give them exercise and cardiac rehab. And then once you get to that point that you find that they are more or less more receptive, then if the patient wishes, and I, this is also um, the patient is in control, if the patient wishes, to go a little bit deeper, then I start explaining to him, okay, look, these are different things you can do. You can try meditation. You can try yoga. You can do some introspection or some insight into, into your own self. And let him slowly begin discovering that part of him that is in union with everything else. Mm-hmm. And have you seen, what kind of results have you seen from working with your patients in this way? It, it, it's variety. It depends many times on the circumstances. Some people respond very well to it, and they, they become very active and very functional again. Some people, especially patients that have lost children, find it a little bit harder yes. uh, because that sense of our loss is very deep. Yes, yeah. Well, and I, I, I would think that, you know, they, they say, and I don't know if this is true, and thank God I have never experienced this, but they say that the loss of a child is the worst loss that you can have. It is. As a matter of fact, in the book, 
um, you know, being a Christian, I, you know, speak a little bit about Christ. And in the book, there's one thing that I mention. I says, look, the one that dies on the cross is not the cousin, the uncle, or the friend of God. It's the son of God, which tells you that he knows the pain that you are suffering, that he knows the pain you're going through. Um, you know, Buddha actually dealt with pain by trying to understand the mechanism of pain and realized that the pain was essentially due to attachments. But, you know, in the, in the Judeo-Christian tradition, the, the pain is actually embraced. And that embrace of the pain, it also actually helps you, um, you know, sort of strips the sense of self, um, of itself, and opens you up to a more humane condition with other people. So when you feel pain, you're actually more in tune to the pain other people may feel around you because you already felt it too. Interesting. So actually you're saying feeling the pain, actually feeling it, rather than trying to hide it, is a good thing. Right. It's a good thing. It's a normal thing. And then trying to understand where the pain comes from. And, and, and the deeper you get, the, the, the closer you get to that absolute, the closer you get to that concept of absolute, the more you realize that that pain resides in that relative self, in the self that is afraid of a contraction, in the self that is afraid of becoming less. And that pain is triggered by the loss of an affective fuel. In this case, the loss of a child is the loss of an emotional social fuel. So the ego contracts, it feels more threatened, and the pain ensues. So once, but that takes years to understand that, to actually see it. Um, at the beginning, you really have to be very, very supportive and, and you know, very helpful with the family. Um, and you have to be compassionate. You know, I cannot stress enough the, the idea of having compassion to people. Mm. Um, because basically, we're all in the same boat. I also have a self, a relative self. So we're all in the same boat. So once you see pain and suffering in a person, you realize that, you know what, that person is also part of me. That person is suffering. Exactly. Let me try to help him. Let me try to comfort yes. him as much as I can. Yeah. All right. We have a couple of minutes left. So how would you, what would you like to leave our listeners with today, Dr. Burkett? Uh, What's your the message? The thing I would recommend is to please try to look into yourself and realize within yourself where the pain is coming from. Realize, try to realize that unity that you have with everything. Try to see through, uh, through that unity so you can have more compassion with people. It's important that we have compassion. You know, we're living in a world right now where we are deluded by violence everywhere. No matter where you go, there's violence. And that violence is steaming from that relative self that wants to continue its existence in spite of the fact that it's not actually uh, having a union with the absolute. Once you understand that, that you realize that instead of having violence, we need to have compassion. All right. Thank you so much. How can people find your book? I think they have it available in Amazon and Barnes & Noble. All and right. I think also Author House has it, <clears throat> and I think also Book World, if I don't recall wrong, also has it too. All right. Stay on the line for a minute. Thank you so much for being on sure. the program, Dr. Barquette. All right, Dr. Antonio Barquette, his book is Why Are You a Sense of Identity? And again, um, this, is, this author is a physician for 30 years who's dealt with issues of life and death. Influenced by Buddhist training, he's tried to understand the dynamics that influence our lives and the choices that we make. And he lost his own parents in a plane crash and uh, together. So he really helps his pay. He's a cardiologist and understands the heart. Pick up this book. And uh, Dr. Barquette, can people write to you? 
Um, yeah, they can. Uh, they can write me. Um, you, um, you can. They can use my email if they want to. It's um, arblmd at gmail dot com. A-R-B-L-M-D at gmail.com or write to me, Patricia Raskin dot com. All right, folks, until next time, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. I'm Patricia Raskin right here for voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.